Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, an unscripted conversation with Ben and Spencer. We're so glad that you could join us today, whether that's from your car, office, home, church, or wherever you're at. If you want to contact us, you can email us at loveincontext at gmail.com. Also follow us on Instagram at loveincontext. Welcome to the Love in Context podcast, a conversation with Ben and Spencer that may or may not be unscripted. It's definitely unscripted. Yeah, very much is, yes. Either that or we're terrible at reading our lines, one of the two. I would make a horrible actor because they would hand me a script and I'd be like, no. Yeah, no thank you, no thank you. I actually, I think my son is going to be a thespian of sorts. Okay. Because he, so he really likes Pokemon, right? Yeah. And so he'll be like, can we play pretend Pokemon? And so he's like, throw a ball. So I throw a ball at him. He goes, he goes, ah, you didn't catch me. I busted out. But it's, it's just so dramatic, right? Uh, that's so great. Yeah. So once again, we are here with a new episode. We are now in Exodus. We're out of Genesis. If you remember, at the end of Genesis, God's people are in Egypt because Joseph has risen to power there. And he brought his people there, brought his family there because there was a famine in the land. Mm-hmm. So now they're in Egypt, but there's going to be a huge time jump between now and then. Yeah. But before we get into that, I just want to throw a resource out there for you guys, because we're not going to be heavy into the intellectual side. We're going to talk about context, but we're also going to refer you to the intellectual side because we want to have a conversation about how do we apply this as Christian living. So Rabbi David Foreman, alephbeta.org, great resource, but also he wrote a book called The Exodus You Almost Passed Over, which is Mm -hmm. great. Check out that. It's it's really good. Yeah. We're only going to spend eight episodes in Exodus. So if you're looking for a deeper dive into Exodus, check out Bama Discipleship. Bible Project has some stuff on it too. So check those out. We are doing a flyover. We're going to hit some key points, but we're not going to be doing the deep intellectual dive into it. Right. So with that being said, let's jump in. We are in Exodus 1. I was at Genesis 1 and I was like, whoops, not that one. Nope, nope. (laughs) Not that one at all. Yeah. So and we're only covering one chapter today. So... If you have not read Exodus 1, I'd encourage you to pause the podcast, unless you're driving, and then go read Genesis 1, or go open your Bible, have it open while we are walking through this. I said Genesis 1, I meant Exodus 1. Go read Exodus 1. It's too late, you said it, it's committed to the Ethernet. It's committed to the Ethernet. Go read Exodus 1, and or just have it open, study it as we talk about it. By the way, anybody who's listening, I do know I said Ethernet, and that's a kind of cable, not the internet. So... I mean, I'm, I'm actually stating to you my joke and just inviting you into it. So there's, there's a lot that happens here in Exodus 1. Um, I think we often skim over this passage and just think that like, okay, it's just kind of setting the stage for the birth of Moses, all that, which it is. But there is actually a ton of things that happens here. A couple things that are really interesting is there's actually two passages of time. Mm-hmm. So your first passage of time is Israel growing into a nation. So Israel goes from being however many people were with Jacob at the time, a couple hundred, a couple thousand, Mm -hmm. to hundreds of thousands. Right. That takes a lot of time. Yes. Right? For those of you unaware, it takes at least 10 months to grow a child in birth. Yes. Someone's like, no, it takes nine months. No, it takes 10. Takes 10. Go back to biology. Yeah. Yeah. And so that takes a lot of time. It was at that point that Egypt was like, all right. We have a problem. We're going to enslave these people. Mm -hmm. And then they were enslaved for a second passage of time for 400 years. Right. And so when you're looking at this passage, you're actually looking at 
I don't know exact numbers, but anywhere from six to 800 years, maybe longer. So let's, let's just deal with that first group of time, yeah. right? So Joseph and family are in Egypt. Now we're going to fast forward to the time that they're dead, but they're not in, in slavery yet. Mm-hmm. So it says in verse eight, it says, then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing. Now let's just stop there. That's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine? So America has been around 200 plus years, right? Can you imagine if we were talking and we're like, then arose a generation that knew not who Abraham Lincoln was? Like, that's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because we're, we're literally talking like 100, 150 years ago, you know, like of yeah. history. Yeah. I mean, this isn't 600 years yet because they're going to be in captivity for a while. So this this is weird. It's almost like this this king is willingly ignorant of history. By the way, if anybody wants to know, willingly ignorant is slang for dumb on purpose. Uh-huh. So the king, he makes a statement, says, look, the Israelites have come become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and, and leave the country. Okay. I was having a conversation with you about how this really strikes me as a conversation that takes place in the garden. Mm-hmm. Right? So in Genesis, the serpent comes and has this conversation with Eve where he talks about hey, did God really say? And hey, you know, what about this? I think you're being held out on. It's a position of fear and manipulation, right? Yeah. And this king, he comes here and he says, look at the Israelites around us. He doesn't understand that the only reason Egypt exists as a nation at this point is because Joseph saved them. Joseph interpreted the dream and Joseph saved them. He says, says, if we don't deal with them and they become more numerous, and if war breaks out, and they join our enemies, and they fight against us, and they leave the country. Like, this is like a perfect storm of a lot of things happening. Yeah. Like, this is like borderline, like, paranoia, fear. One of the interesting things here on this is that the Hebrews are so numerous that the powerhouse nation of the day is worried. hmm Like, the powerhouse nation, this is like, the world supreme power right now right. is Egypt. Right. Hebrews at this time, they are so numerous, mm-hmm. so numerous that the powerhouse nation's like, okay, we got to put them in check. Otherwise, we're going to lose our status. Right. Well, and, and the whole position of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, he's dealing from a position of fear because what else could he have done? Yeah. He could have built a partnership with Israel, mm-hmm. right? Welcome them into the nation because- all these people are living here. This is their home as well. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be their home for another 400 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, albeit after a while, not want to be their home because there's not, you know, slavery is not great. I've never been a slave, but I'm assuming it's not great. I haven't uh, heard good um, things about it. Yeah, no, not good things about it. Yeah. Especially when you have to do things like build py- pyramids. Mm-hmm. Right? Not great. Mm-hmm. But like there's a, there's a position of fear. And I was like, rather than learn, like actually finding a way to work with people. Now, what happened at the end of Genesis? They have all this grain, they have all this wealth, they have all this stuff that's production, and Egypt actually uses that to parlay into the growth of the kingdom, but also to unite a lot of nations into themselves. Yeah. But this guy doesn't know Joseph. Mm -hmm. So what does he do? He falls right back to the thing that we always do, which is fear. Mm -hmm. Which, can we just pause for a second and talk about, like learning from our history. Uh, It's so important. Right. 
Like, yes, on a national level, mm-hmm. but like on a personal level. Yeah. So you have siblings. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're youngest, right? I am. Yeah. So did you ever watch your older siblings and be like, hey, that was a stupid thing they did, and then avoid doing that? Okay, so yes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you said that with hesitation. Well, my, the thing is, it, boys tend to be just not smart in general. It's true. I'm not going to resent that. Yeah, so like, comment. even though I saw some of the stuff my brothers did, I definitely walked into the exact same pitfalls, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I may have like eluded capture a little bit longer. Because I, I know for me growing up, I watched what my old, older siblings did. And I would analyze, okay, what is good, what is bad, and then I would try to do what was good and not do what was bad. So I'm a guy, and I just still did some stupid stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. That's just how that's just how it went. It, I would look at my siblings, and I would try to emulate what was good and not emulate what was bad. Right. And learn from not not just my history, but their history as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the point that comes up in like a lot of things in a Christian church when you're building a church program or different mm-hmm. things. People have tried to do a lot of different things. One of my favorite things that I've heard said to you, right? Because you work in youth ministry, yeah, yeah. right? Oh, back in my day, we used to. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, yeah. That phrase right there. Now, first of all, you're fully aware of a lot of things I used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like a better position for, for that conversation, by the way, if anybody's listening and they're like, oh man, I really want to be able to share these things. You say- Something that was really helpful for me growing up in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a different position. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons you don't do things a certain way is because you know history. Yeah. And you also have seen it played out over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so it's like people are like, oh, hey, we should go and do this. And you're like, it doesn't work. Yeah. And the other reason for that is times change. What students relate to changes. Right. When I was in middle school, high school, you didn't have social media. You mm-hmm. didn't have, you couldn't go watch TikToks all day. People weren't listening to podcasts. Like they were starting to come out, but they weren't very popular. And so, yeah, times change. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like a lot of things I experienced in high school ministry growing up doesn't actually relate well. Right. I think the tendency when you're listening to what we just said is you're saying, oh, I thought you said knowing your history is important. It is because Mm -hmm. you need to know what things worked and what things didn't. Yeah. In the case of this guy in Egypt, he clearly doesn't understand that God had his hand on the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Right. He just saved an entire nation. The guy who saved him was an Israelite who was brought into Egypt. Yeah. This is what happened. But then he sees it as a challenge to his power. But here's the funny thing. He only has power because Israel came. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the only reason he has power anyways. Otherwise, Egypt might not be the nation that it is at this point. Yeah. And I don't go too hard on Pharaoh, because what's our natural tendency when we step into a place of fear? Right. It's to step in and try to control the situation. It's not, okay, so this isn't going my way. Let me put my hands on it and mold it into what I want it to be so I have control. Right. I I agree. And so, like, in one sense, Pharaoh is just doing what is natural to him. Right. He's just falling into his natural tendencies of, of, okay, I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm going to try to control the situation. And he tries to control it by enslaving an entire nation. Right. I, I agree with you completely because my next thought was how often do we see this in the church? Oh yeah. Okay. 
So one of the things I was having a conversation with our worship pastor about, Mm -hmm. right? And I said, I said, hey, things are going really well. Here's the deal. We need somebody in their 20s. And he's like, oh yeah, we do. Now, if you're asking me why I said that is because most of the worship team is in their 30s or 40s. Okay. And while we're still a relatively young team, we recognize that we're not going to be around forever. Mm -hmm. But what I have seen in the church churches that I've been a part of and other churches that I haven't been a part of is they're, they don't plan for the next generation. We tend to think spur of the moment rather than generationally. Well, we don't plan for the next generation and then we wonder why the next generation falls off the map. Correct. And you know, and what I'm trying to do in my generation is learn from our past mm-hmm. and make some changes, probably going to make some mistakes along the way. And we're going to want to take note of those and do it differently in the future. Mm-hmm. But I was having this conversation because thinking generationally, right? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be literally while we're recording this episode, mm-hmm. right? We don't, he didn't ask me for the timetable. So we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. So we always live like Jesus could come back any given day, right? Mm-hmm. But we also live like Jesus isn't going to come back for a thousand years. And it's our job to continue his rule and reign every place we go in the world. Mm-hmm. And so when I see Pharaoh, when I see what's going on with Pharaoh, I see a man who's controlled by fear. And that is a natural response. Guess what? You're not natural anymore. Mm-hmm. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're enabled to act differently. Mm-hmm. We want to call that out of us mm-hmm. because the world is going to say someone is threatening my power. And God says, Jesus says, I'm going to go get on a cross and that's going to be my coronation event. Yeah. A good question to ask about the Israelites at this point is why were they enslaved? Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but this was often skimmed over when I was in church. They're always like, okay, and then a new king came into power and they were enslaved. So why were they enslaved? And the reality is, is because they became so numerous. So what they were doing is they were actually multiplying like the Lord had commanded them to do. Mm Mm-hmm. They were actually becoming a nation. Like saying there's another there's another Genesis reference there? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So they were actually multiplying. They were becoming a nation just like the Lord had commanded them to do. And so then they get thrown into slavery because this king gets fearful, takes matters into his own hand. And then you look at this in verse 12. It says, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. Yeah, so my translation says the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Yeah. So you're like, hey, we're going to stop them from multiplying, so we're going to put oppression on them so they can't rise up against us, and then, like, the exact same thing you're trying to stop. Yeah, they're like, joke's on you. Yeah. That's the Spencer translation of the Bible. Yeah. So you, you you have this happening where the Israelites become oppressed, they keep multiplying. So then the Egyptians decide that they're going to oppress them more. So that still doesn't work. So the king of Egypt actually comes to the Hebrew midwives. Now, first of all, I want to point out that they're actually both named in this. Mm-hmm. Why is that significant? Because women typically aren't named in the Bible. Mm-hmm. This is the only place they show up and they're significant enough that they're named. It's not common for women's names to actually be in the Bible. And I believe that these are actually placed here in order to honor these women because they stand up for what's right in the middle of absolute chaos and destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, the king of Egypt says, comes and he's like, hey, listen, if you get a baby boy, just kill him. 
Mm-hmm. If baby girl, you know, dilate the dream pool because you'll have more women and then they'll marry him with the Egyptian eventually. Like the idea is that you no longer have Egyptians and Israelites. You have one nation, right? Yeah. Shrewd planning, terrible, terrible thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think, I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree that killing baby boys underneath the, the age of two years old is a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. But who are these midwives? Because they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. And where have you seen God show up in the story yet? So you have these midwives. At this point, you're at least two, 300 years into the mix, right? Mm-hmm. So they have, like, presumably you haven't seen God show up in the story for two, 300 years. There's been There's been a time of silence from the Lord. And these midwives are like, no, we still fear him. Right. And obviously in this context, fear is not, I'm afraid, but I, I have a appreciation of reverence, appreciation, reverence. And, and I do think the fear is appropriate in some circumstance, but Mm -hmm. it's not afraid. Like I'm afraid of the dark. No, it's more fear. Like when I see a moose, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go stand next to it because those things are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. But they look cool. You're just reminding everybody we live in Alaska. It's the same thing. Like, I mean, we could be, we could be in Canada. We could be. Yeah. I mean, same thing, like, when I'm out and about and I see a bear, my demeanor changes. Yeah. Right? It's not that, like, I'm necessarily, like, pee my pants scared of it, but it's more like I'm much more cautious, much more aware of everything that's going on. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of C.S. Lewis talking in The Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Where they where Aslan is the personification of God, mm-hmm. right? And they say, well, is he a safe lion? Well, of course he's not safe. Mm-hmm. But he is good. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's a wild lion. He does what he's going to do, but he is good. Mm-hmm. So the midwives fear God and they're like, nope, God is way more powerful than king mm-hmm. of Egypt, right? Yeah. I love this conversation that comes back because he goes back and he's like, hey, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And they're like, man, the the uh, Israelite women are just so stout that when they give birth, they get they, they give birth and the babies pop out before the midwives even get there. Mm-hmm. If they're walking in a field and boop, it's already there before we can get there. I don't know what to tell you, Pharaoh. King of Egypt. Sorry, he's, he's not the Pharaoh yet. It, this is interesting because this is like, you can tell that this is blatantly not true. Right. Right. You can you can look at this part of the story and be like, eh, that seems a little far-fetched, right? But that's what they went with. Mm-hmm. And where is where is God? Where do you see God chastising them for for telling this lie. Well, not even not even chastising. It says yeah. in the next verse, God was kind to the midwives mm-hmm. and the people increased and became even more numerous. Yeah. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Yeah. Which is a thing of blessing. Right. Yeah. Now, this is interesting, by the way. So it's been king of Egypt, king of Egypt. Look what happens in verse 22. Then Pharaoh. Hmm. Did we have a, a person shift or is this the same guy? Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I legitimately don't know. Yeah. Somebody who's listening who has done some research and whatever, feel free to shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get stuck on that because I, I don't think that there's a good reason to sit yeah. here and just nail that down. But if you have something to share, we might just throw it on a future podcast. Yeah. And on the on the different types of passages of time that happen in this story, they never specify how many years, when, or where. That It's important to note that there is a passage of time, so you're aware of that, but- Oh, let's not get hung up on how many years they spent where, or how many years in captivity, or what Pharaoh was in place at what time. 
Because if they were in captivity for 400 years, presumably more than one king or pharaoh yeah. ruled during that time. So that's actually where we're going to be done for the verses today because Pharaoh goes this, this ruling. He says that every newborn boy is going to get chucked into the Nile mm-hmm. and he's going to let the girls live. Yeah. Which, by the way, spoiler alert for the next episode, they do technically put Moses in the Nile. Mm-hmm. They just also put him in a basket. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just, I like, they do actually obey Pharaoh in this. I, those are my type of people where they're like, I'm going to do what you said, but... I'm going to stretch it to the, to the <laughs> utmost, right? So I want I want to come back to this thing on on the midwives. Let's just be say being flirtatious with the truth, mm-hmm. okay? Because I think sometimes we have this tendency in Christian culture, right? There is right, wrong, and anything strays it, but there is actually ambiguity, okay? Mm-hmm. Before you start writing me an email, I want to talk to talk to you about World War II, mm-hmm. okay? So there's a there's a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boone wrote a book called The Hiding Place. So Corey Tim Boone writes about her experience in World War II living in the Netherlands. So first of all, if you haven't read that book, you should. It is a very difficult read in parts. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. But it's dealing with something very similar to what we're dealing with in Egypt as well. Mm-hmm. Like where you're having subrogation and eradication, right? Just horrific events that happened on a national level. But in Corey Tim Boone's book, if you haven't read it, so what the deal with the Harding Place is, is that her dad had a watch shop that where they would they would work on like timepieces because it wasn't digital watches. It was like gears and things that had to turn and work in a very specific way. <clears throat> and they had a space that they had that was hidden from a public view and that had to be accessed certain ways and was difficult to actually find. What they would do is they actually took Jews who were hiding from the Nazis and they would put them into the hiding place. And so whenever a patrol would come by looking for them, everybody would hide and they would run business as normal. And they were in the process of getting as many people out of the Netherlands that they could. Mm -hmm. Right. The goal was to actually be part of like an underground type of railroad to get people out. Mm -hmm. And Corey Timboon was partnering with this. So, so here's my question here. So they frequently came in, and they would ask her, are there any Jews on the premises? Now, if you want to be legalistic, what's the answer? Yes. Right. And by the way, if you if that's where you fall on how you interpret the law, guess who also agreed with that? The Nazis, because they told her, you claim to follow Jesus, and he says to tell the truth. So if you lie to people in, who are in authority, and he quotes from Paul where it says to respect the authorities and all these different things, mm-hmm. he knows the scriptures and he uses them to try to manipulate them into revealing people that they are going to exterminate. Mm-hmm. So here, here is the thought that we, we just need to talk about. Is there more weight on part of the law than others? Mm-hmm. Because this is a very common rabbinic debate in the time of Jesus. Yeah. Right? In fact, one of the things that Jesus actually does is he comments on a conversation between two rabbis named Shammai and Hillel, and he agrees with one of them. Mm-hmm. So an expert of the law comes to Jesus, and he says, what are the two greatest commandments? And Jesus says, what do you think they are? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, so many strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly, mm-hmm. right? So what Jesus has just said is he says, 
everything by which you interpret everything in the law and prophets hangs on these two commands, loving God and loving others. Mm -hmm. Now, that's only significant if you know that Shammai says that it, it is observed through loving God, everybody agrees about that, mm -hmm. and obeying the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It's love for God and obedience to the rules, right? Jesus says it's about how you love God and how you love the people around you. Mm -hmm. So are there things in the Christian walk that are of greater weight than others? Yes. I think there are, personally. Right. And you guys can write to me and disagree with that. That's that's totally fine. But I think there are things that hold greater weight than others. Like I find if I am if I'm operating outside of loving God and loving people, but still going through the motions, that I need to actually back up and focus on, okay, God, how's my relationship with you? And how am I loving the community around me well? Right. And if I'm not doing those two things, we have an issue. And one of the verses that keeps coming to my mind lately is Proverbs 11.25. What it talks about is it's like, hey, you're actually refreshed when you bless others. When you re when you help refresh other people, it actually refreshes your soul as well. Right. It's almost like we're made for community. Yeah. It's almost like we're made not to do this alone. Yeah. It's almost like when man tried to do it by himself, God says, that's no good. Yeah. You need a Nets or Connecto. Mm-hmm. Right? You need a suitable helper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I don't want you to walk away from is being like, okay, well, that means it's okay to lie. No, 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 no. If somebody walks into a doctor with a knife in their side and headaches, you need to address the knife in the side first. Yeah. That doesn't mean the headaches aren't important. Mm -hmm. It just means that there's currently a knife sitting in their side mm -hmm. and that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I think that we often have to walk in nuance with this. I think that it's important to be morally correct, mm -hmm. to walk the law out, to embody the Torah as Jesus did. Yeah. But at the same time, we need to always emphasize the greater points of the law. Yeah. Now, this comes into when we take people who come from the outside and they're trying to find Jesus. How often are we trying to address their symptom rather than their cause? Yeah. Yeah. Right? We do that all the time, if we're real, right? I think one of the shameful guys as we have in ministry, and I want to tread lightly on this one, but we talk about, okay, we want to have a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, we want to have a transformational place. Correct. Because there's nothing safe about following Jesus. The things he's going to call you to, the things that he's going to ask you, ask of you are going to lead you to places where you're like, this might be a community I shouldn't, where you feel like you shouldn't step foot in. This might be a person that you're like, I don't know if I should have a conversation with this person. Right. Okay. Jesus wants us to step into a place of transformation he doesn't want us to step into a place of comfort. And in fact, he often pushes us outside of our place of comfort so that we can step into that place of transformation. That actually reminds me of something that I wrote a while ago on my blog when I was talking. It's actually Exodus 2, which is really funny because we're going to be talking about that soon. Mm -hmm. But I talked about that being a bearer of the image of God is difficult, mm -hmm. right? Being partners with God requires setting aside condemnation. Mm -hmm. it, it, living by the Spirit means that we have to live by forgiveness for all people, especially mm -hmm. those ones we don't like, mm -hmm. right? Being a part of the Exodus means that sometimes you have to leave your home of 400, 600 years to go into the desert mm -hmm. for a long time, mm -hmm. right? 
And it's not meant to discourage people because I, it's actually meant to encourage you, mm-hmm. right? The road is very difficult, but it's sweet and it's rewarding. Like mm-hmm. life with God in the kingdom is amazing. Yeah. But it, and it's transformational to your point. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. And we do people a disservice when we tell them that it's going to be safe because it's not. Mm-hmm. Jesus got crucified on a cross. Paul got his head chopped off. Peter got crucified upside down. John got tossed in boiling oil and then exiled to an island, mm-hmm. right? Like these people did not have great lives. No. Now that's not to say that God wasn't with them every step of the way, right? And I don't even know that that's something that God's going to call you to because those were the apostles. There was a lot of people who followed God in that day, mm-hmm. followed Jesus in that day, who had very prosperous lives. Yeah. The thing is, we don't get to choose what the call is. Mm-hmm. We don't get to choose the assignment. Yeah, the question is, are you going to follow the call that the Lord's put on your life in the good times and the bad? Yeah. Because so often we'll do it in the good times, and when the bad times roll around, we'll be like, my life is horrible. And don't get me wrong, there's like we can lament to the Lord. I want to be clear on that, right? But you look at, you look at Israel, mm-hmm. when the good times were there, what were they doing? They were multiplying. As I say, later they're doing not great stuff. Yeah, later, okay. In, in Exodus, but, but yeah. Exodus one, yeah, 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 they're they're multiplying, and then they go under oppression. What do they do? They multiply. They multiply. They're fulfilling the call that God's put on their life in both times, in the good and the bad, right? Like they're setting this example in this moment of what we should be doing. And so, when the question, so the question comes is when it comes to our life with Jesus and our life with Christ, are we being faithful to the call He's given us in the good times and the bad? Yeah. Well, and. And with that, you're going to have a different call on the person than the person next to you. Yeah. Right. And so if I can encourage, I actually really want to throw this out here for my, our listeners that are in North America. Mm-hmm. Okay. We live in a very wealthy nation. Yes. Absurdly wealthy. Our poor are loaded. Mm-hmm. Right. It becomes very, very important that your money doesn't rule you. Yeah. That you live with generosity. Yeah. What I am not telling you is that you can't have a nice house, have a nice car, have nice stuff. Please don't hear that. But your money is a tool for the kingdom of God, not for you to build your own kingdom. Mm -hmm. Right? So like to come back to a couple of weeks ago, are you going to build a name for yourself, build a tower for yourself, or are you going to build into God's kingdom? Are you going to scatter, multiply, build, subdue? This is the call of the Torah. And ultimately the call of the gospel, because instead of it being a kingdom of priests, which is what's going to come up in Exodus later, God is now going to open it up to the entire world. And now we're going to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood to quote first Peter. Mm -hmm. We're going to be spiritual stones being constructed into the holy temple of the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is going to be our call. So with what you've been given, what are you going to do to forward the kingdom? If you're great with money, good for the glory of God, that it benefits those who listen, that the kingdom grows. If you are terrible with money, but you're good with service, good for the benefit of the kingdom, for the glorification of God, that it benefits those you're around. It doesn't matter what you are good at, mm-hmm. go and do it for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And don't try to make other people look like you. Church, just stop it. Right. Stop that. Like it does nobody any favors whatsoever. Right. If if I was to tell Ben that his life needed to look exactly like mine, I would make Ben miserable. Right. 
And if Ben was to tell me that my life was to look exactly like his, he'd probably make my life miserable. And so don't, don't do that. Right. Instead, learn where each other's giftings are and be like, okay, how can we build up the kingdom in our community together with the gifts we have? And I feel like there's like a really clear connection back here to the midwives, Mm -hmm. right? They stand in the middle of chaos. Yeah. With somebody powerful breathing down their neck and they look at it and they go, no, pass, pass. We're going to do what God has us doing, Mm -hmm. regardless of how that falls back on us. Now, God blessed them in the middle of that, but I can't believe that if the Pharaoh had decided to come out and kill all of them, they would have budged one iota. Mm -hmm. That's not who they were. Mm -hmm. They say, we're going to follow God. We are a stubborn and stiff-necked people, Mm -hmm. and we're going to follow God because it's better that we honor him than that we would have our life. Yeah. By the way, that's a theme you see with people throughout the Old Testament. Right. I wish that we as a church could be that stubborn with our love for one another. Mm-hmm. Our unwillingness to take up arms against each other. To be like, hey, I know we disagree, but that disagreement's petty and we're going to set it aside and we're going to love each other and love the community well. So we talked about learning our history, right? Mm-hmm. I read a book called Church History in Plain English. Bruce Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And in, I thought it was, it was a well handling of like church history, mm-hmm. but you know what the reoccurring theme that came to me from like Jesus on, we're having the same fights they had a thousand years ago. Yeah. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed for all of our enlightenment and our growth and our understanding of the Hebrew language. We still haven't recaptured that fire of love God and love others that happened in the first century. Mm-hmm. And when, when we say nothing's changed, I, I just want to preface this a little bit. You might be like, well, arguments have changed a little bit. There might be some different topics we're handling. I was like, yeah, but the heart hasn't changed. Correct. The heart of I want to be right so that you are wrong is still there. And then we, we hold this up in the guise of, well, I'm just standing up for truth. Speaking truth in love might be one of the most grating phrases on my ears. Uh-huh. Like you're speaking something. If you say you're speaking truth and love at the end of like ripping someone down for 15 minutes and you're like, oh, but that was just me speaking truth and love. No, it wasn't. There's, there's better ways to do that. Let's go. Let's just, I'm just going to dive into this. You ready? Let's do it. All right. So I can, I've, I've heard this argument so recently. Well, Jesus confronted the religious leaders of the day, the people who were in charge, and he had words for them and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? That's the churches of today. That's mm-hmm. where the religious leaders of the day. Mm-hmm. And his harsh words, first of all, he engaged them in their rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And frequently he didn't seek them out. They sought him out. Mm-hmm. And he had a conversation with them. And he's like, nope, you're wrong. This is what Torah actually says. Mm -hmm. And he engaged them on their text, their rituals, their traditions, and showed them that God was a God, not who they thought he was. And do you know what Jesus did after he engaged them many times? He went and had a meal with them. Yeah. Like he would go sit at their table. He would enjoy their fellowship. This is the invitation. Like understanding Jesus in his context matters too. 
Now we've been going through Torah and we're going to keep going through Torah and some of some of what we're saying, like we're going to be jumping forward to the Gospels frequently because that's what the reality we're living in. But these themes that start in Exodus and Genesis and Leviticus, they continue all throughout the Bible because mm-hmm. Jesus was Torah made flesh. You have to understand that. Mm-hmm. Like that is what John says. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Every Jew who hears that knows he's saying Torah. Mm-hmm. And then they said that the word tabernacled among us. Right? And they go, whoa, hold on a second there, John. What do you mean Torah was made flesh? Uh, I'm laughing over here because if you were to hear that about somebody in the Jewish day and age, you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to back up. You're making some bold claims right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus is Torah made flesh, right? He is the summation of the law and the prophets. And Jesus goes and puts it on display. And our tendency, when we see Jesus is fulfilling the law, we say, oh, he did it, so now we don't have to. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Fulfill means he showed you what it was always supposed to look like. Torah was always supposed to look like the incarnate Christ in person. Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? Like, that's what Jew-observant, Torah-observant people were supposed to look like in their society. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to look like Jesus. They set captives free. They healed the people who were sick. They did not look like everybody else. They put on display a God who is completely different than all the other nations. Mm -hmm. We've already seen that in Genesis. We're going to see it in Exodus. Like, just cluing you in, you're going to see in Leviticus too. God is different than you think. Mm -hmm. But even in our day, all of us are looking at God like he's like he's an angry God. And as I postulated a few weeks ago, maybe we're just interpreting him through an angry lens and maybe Jesus knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. Got to throw some sarcasm in here. Yeah. Maybe Jesus knows what he's talking about here. Spoiler alert, he does. Yeah, he's real, real good. Yeah. I just want to come back to the idea of, are you serving God in the good times and the bad times. Mm-hmm. Like one of the practices I've been trying to put into my life, and the Lord's given me plenty of opportunities lately to put this practice in, in my life. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to start thanking God for his provision before his provision comes. Because mm-hmm. it's coming. It's He's always provided for me. Not always how I've wanted him to or how I thought he was going to, but he has always provided and so why am I waiting until after he proves himself to be like, oh, by the way, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm going to actually step up and I'm going to be like, all right, Lord, I know this is the need. I know you're going to provide. Thank you for providing that. Even though it hasn't come yet. All right. The Israelites, they have a promise over their life still. Mm-hmm. Right. They have a promise of that the Lord's going to make them a great nation. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that in their midst. Right. But that promise hasn't fully come to fulfillment yet. That's still in works. They're not in the land that they're supposed to be in. Uh Okay. But in that time of good and in that time of bad, they're still fulfilling the call that the Lord's put on their lives. Absolutely. And, and don't mistake. And I want, you can look at, you interpret this two ways. There's a general calling. There's actually a book called Calling and Clarity by Doug. The, uh, That's definitely his name. Yeah, his name his name is Doug Cluck Cluck. 
<laughs> like Colasta or something like that. So there's this book called Calling and Clarity, and we'll link it. We'll link it in the description for you guys. But it he talks about the different types of calling that they're finding found in the Bible. And one of them he talks about is general calling. Like we all have this call to be more Christ-like, to love our neighbors, to love God with everything we have. But at the same time, the Lord's actually placed specific giftings and callings in your own personal life, mm-hmm. right? And you're supposed to lean into that, right? Not everybody, not everybody in the story is a midwife, mm-hmm. right? You're supposed to lean into that calling and that gifting that the Lord's given you, because when you lean into that and you serve your community with that gift, that's when communities are changed. When you're loving God, loving people, and leaning into who he's called you to be. Love it. So our big takeaways from this story, getting in here, you got to know your history. Yeah. You got to know the pitfalls. You got to know the successes. You definitely should know whose shoulders you're standing on as you look towards legacy. Mm -hmm. Like, all of you who are of faith, that your parents were of faith, you do realize that you get to stand on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And hopefully our kids get to stand on our shoulders and go further than we ever could. Yeah. Like that's that's the hope. That's what I hope is true for, for my sons. Yeah. And I hope for their sons that they go even further than my kids go. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's about forwarding the kingdom of God. Yeah. And the other side of it is this this idea of the midwives. In the middle of the chaos, are you going to embrace the call of God in your life? And respect God more than man. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of the chaos, who are you going to be? Are you going to hold to the weight of your portions of law? Or are you going to fall to the opinions of man? Mm-hmm. So I can tell you what I'm going to do, or at least what I'm going to try to do, is to always listen to the voice of God and love people first, mm-hmm. and then deal with everything else subsequent of that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to deal with somebody's moral failing, I'm going to love them first. If I'm going to deal with somebody's anger, I'm going to love them first. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to deal with somebody's unbelief, I'm going to love them first. Mm -hmm. Because that's the position of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're not going to address the other issues. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to lead with love and introduce them to who the Father is. Mm -hmm. Right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at loveincontext. You can email us, loveincontext at gmail.com. You can try to send up some smoke signals. Probably won't see them. But yeah, you can I seriously doubt we'll see them. You can certainly try, though. If you do try, please let us know. Yes, that would be great. Yeah. Also, the episodes are available on Apple and Spotify right now. Please do feel that if there's anybody you know who might benefit from this conversation, share it with them. We'd mm-hmm. love to. We would love to grow from people who actually are benefiting from this. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. So thank you again for listening, and until next time. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we hope that you got something out of it. If you have any questions, please contact us at loveandcontext at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and message us through there. And Instagram is loveandcontext. Again, loveandcontext at gmail.com or Instagram are the two ways to get a hold of us if you would like. Thank you once again. We really appreciate you being here. God bless.